Hey, this is Gator McAllister, and you're listening to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at stevebowtiebryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. And as always, I'm here with my brother from the same father and mother, the plastic sheet, Jared Street. What's up, brother? How you doing? Not much, man. Just living life and uh, working and doing this, man. Just love doing this with you. Yeah. Are you in a repeat cycle sometimes like me, like I feel? Dude, sometimes I feel like uh, life just is like so crammed full of things i don't know what to uh i don't know if i have any time sometimes for myself. yeah like why do we do this to ourselves why do we cram so much stuff yeah in our lives but yeah. then if i didn't i would just be lazy or something so i mean i know so. i know probably some of it's to do with the kids and other yeah. parts of it's just to do with work and things like that yeah makes sense that's summertime so you're going here going there stuff like that so yeah that's about it man that's about it so anyway to kind of go in a totally different direction now, <laughs> we do have a cool guest today as y'all saw on the promotional posts on our social media platforms that we have the man gator McAllister here and i, I you know i just can't wait to hear i mean i've been researching Searching his stuff and honestly brother's done a lot i think we're gonna have a fun time with him i i, I really do yeah man it's it's a he's got a great name too gator McAllister. i mean like i hope we get yeah. into more of some of the the origins of that name and kind of learn some of that and yeah uh, ask, totally. we'll, we'll ask him about that and see how that came about but that's a, that's an awesome name uh that's <laughs> you, you don't sometimes you get some bland names but you got something like that's pretty Pretty yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you got names like Hot Rod Biggs. I love that name. Gator oh, yeah. McAllister. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. a lot of these guys have some great names, but when it comes down to it, you know, I, Gator might be one of the best. Absolutely. You know, that it's funny. He's such a good dude, though. That's what's crazy is I just remember every time like, you know, he kind of looks like, you know, like a, like he would be gruff or have like a, a gruff demeanor. But honestly, when you talk to him, he just like smiles and laughs and, and just 
has a good time. He's just, it's just his exterior. He's, yeah. he's actually a, a, you know, a really funny, nice guy on the inside. So anyway, Gator's going to be awesome. I can't wait to have him on. I can't wait to talk all about his career. Lots of cool stuff, man. Like, seriously, part of my love of doing what we do is the research on these guys and actually hearing the full story with these dudes because, man, sometimes you, you uncover like pearls, you know, or yeah. gems, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's always something we find out from these guys that, um, you know, we didn't know. I think it was Quentin was one. He's like, do y'all want to know the full truth? We're like, yeah, we don't want to know the full truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. We want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Playing honest. Yeah. So we always, we always seem to dig up a pearl somehow. And it's not even, uh, it's not even like kind of like we're even trying for them. They just happen though. So yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, speaking of past guest episodes, I like the segue. Segue there, yeah, yeah, it's nice. So first off, we had Doug Markham. Man, Doug's awesome. Number, I mean, oh, he's. I think cool. he's already. He's already passed so many people. If I'm not mistaken, he's like seventh or eighth in the rankings now. So. Wow. Yeah, man. I mean, he and I knew he, he a lot of the listeners would listen to him. Of course, our normal listeners would listen. But I do believe he pulled in some other people. And that's very appreciative. Thank you, Doug. I know you're listening, brother. Super appreciative of that. Your show's doing great. We're proud to have you on. And really, it means a lot. Yeah, man. It was great when I, I enjoyed so much talking to Doug. And I was just going to give him a shout out, man. You see him on Facebook. He's sharing our stuff. He shares. And, and he supports small businesses a lot. That, that's awesome. I see on his Facebook, he like is always sharing stuff like that. So that's always that's always killer to me when somebody's doing that because, um, it shows that they're 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 a down down home type of guy. They uh, and they like to help the little guy, and that's and that's always important. But man, yeah, he he's such a good guest, and he had so many good stories, and it was great to hear it. And man, I'm loving the Plunky and Kroll episode, the special episode you had. I you know I hate I couldn't be in on that, but it kind of worked out with timing that I couldn't be in, and you know it kind of made more sense for it to just be one interviewer instead of two with with them telling the story and everything like that but yeah i mean kroll doesn't need any <laughs> yeah. other people talking but yeah. no kroll had such a story to let out and i appreciate that you enjoyed that one but kroll had such a story to say i mean it really felt like plunky and i were interviewing kroll in a way yeah. you know and yeah. it was but, but it was funny because i wanted to hear plunky's perspective one of my favorite parts was going back and listening to the tracy smothers excerpts when he was talking to plunky about hey man you got to get ready. You know, these guys will eat you alive if you let them, you know, just added such a layer of reality to it that honestly, I think put it over the edge for me. Of course, I'm friends with Plunky, was friends with him at the time. I was pulling for him. I remember it so vividly now how much it was so important and really seemed like a really big thing was happening. And so, you know, it was cool to see that and relive that. Then to hear all the grimy details from what happened and what went on from Kroll kind of finalized the story a bit. You know, it's just to me. Man, I don't know. Yeah. I'm glad that it happened, but it seemed like it, it took almost more than it was worth in a sense, you know. But oh yeah, you know, that's the beauty of it. Is I think when Kroll believes in something, Kroll will fight for it, and that's that's proof right there. That's proof that he will absolutely fight for it. And yeah, man, I you know I I do know right now Kroll's in a bit of a battle for the Nashville the rights to his building in the Troubadour. He's got that Coastal Championship Wrestling which 
which is a Florida-based promotion that's coming up to Nashville. And they had a venue, and it fell through. And they, I think they're going to be August 18th. And they're, they're doing a Friday night. Coastal Championship Wrestling booked the same building the 19th. So it's literally two nights of wrestling, and they're oh, not wow. related it just seems kind of dastardly. So he's got another fight on his hands. Maybe that'll be a future episode to hear the full story on that one. But yeah, yeah I don't know. But I'm glad you enjoyed that. I've got some other ideas that we can do in the future that are going to be fun. I've been talking to some of the guys about possibilities on what we can do with that. Those types of episodes in the future. So if y'all enjoyed that, let us know in the comments. You know, let us know on the socials. But I, I think right now, I think we need to get old Gator McAllister on here. What do you say? Let's get it, man. I, I'm, I can't wait. All right. We'll be right back after these messages with more from Give Me Back my pro wrestling that's right it's the talk of middle tennessee the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love it's brian turner from brian turner's vhs rehab and if you're looking for matches from wolfie d to jerry lawler to dusty Rhodes, and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs booty call on athena go to lostwrestling.com see i made it easy for you brian turner's vhs rehab booyah Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color, with Wolfie D every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday, Live and in Color, with Wolfie D. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get up anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. All right, we are back with more from the Give Me Back, my pro wrestling podcast. And as promised, Jared, who do we have today? My old buddy Gator McAllister. Now, Gator is one of these guys that I guarantee you've seen him. He's done everything. He's had an amazing career. And I'm excited to talk to him. But as always, on every episode, we go to my brother, the Plastic Sheik, for the very first question of the show. Go ahead, Sheik. All right, Gator. So this is a, this is a question that I like to get out of the way. It, 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 let everybody know kind of your influences in wrestling and just and just your fandom in wrestling. If you could list your top, your your Mount Rushmore, your top four or five wrestlers all time that you're in your opinion, what would that be? Uh, that one's a little hard, honestly. Um, I mean, where I grew up, grew up on Memphis wrestling. I hadn't even seen or heard of WWF until I was probably 12 years old. So I grew up on Memphis, and I grew up on the old NWA. Yeah. Um, so the, my Mount Rushmore, my top four, would be Austin Idol. Yeah. I was a huge oh, yeah. Austin Idol fan. Uh, Dutch Mantel. Of course. Jerry Lawler. The man. And Rick um, that's, you know, Ric Flair and, and honorable mention to Dusty Rhodes because okay, yeah. those guys hate the business, you know. They paved the way for so many, so many wrestlers. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's a great list. I mean, it, nobody could argue with anything there. I mean, um, oh, absolutely. You know, you've got. <laughs> When when you when you, you can you can tell your influences though your your area influences and that and that's fine that's that's what we that's why we like to get these questions out there and get it answered with hey you know 
this is this is this is what I was influenced by. This is what I like to see. This is, you know, and, and some people, uh, you know, if we were talking to somebody in the Northeast, they would be like, okay, well, Bruno San Martino, you know, this right here. Yeah, and Matt Bourne and some of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Be Matt Bourne and Adrian Street, or not Adrian Street, Adrian Adonis. Those yeah, sure, yeah. Portland guys, you know. Yeah, maybe Lynn Denton or somebody like that. And yeah. yeah. But Gator McAllister, brother, how long has it been since we've seen each other? I bet it's been 10 years. What are you up to these days, brother? Uh, actually, I, I retired from wrestling and uh, got my CDL and went on the road as a big rig truck driver. <laughs> yeah, dude. I thought I saw that. And now I think you've done that to take advantage of one thing, right? Is you get to go to all these awesome conventions, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I spend a lot of my free time going to uh, like comic book conventions and horror conventions and stuff like that. I'm just, I'm a big nerd, you know? And, yeah, uh, yeah. we all are. After spending, many, after spending so many years on the road wrestling, the truck driving is just natural because I'm on the road, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it all kind of flows together. Dude, you're you're just born to be a trucker because you're a wrestler. Rick Reynolds does some of that too. I mean, it's everybody's riding. I love it. So yeah, that makes total sense. Well, I tell you what. So we kind of talked about where you are now and stuff. Let's go all the way back here. So this is you know we get the Mount Rushmore, then we talk a little bit about what you're doing now, but then we go all the way back to the very beginning, to the days when you were just a little bitty gator. Okay, so in your younger days, where were you born, man? Where were you born? Where'd you go to high school? Um. I was actually born in a little small town just outside of Evansville, Indiana, called Linville. Okay. Um, was born there, and literally the next day was in Madisonville, Kentucky. So mm -hmm. that's where I grew up. Um, spent the majority of my life in that town and the little surrounding towns around it. Um, yeah. Went to Madisonville North Hopkins High School, which had like the state football champions at one time and all that. Got kicked out of public school. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, graduated from a private Christian school of all oh, places yeah. for me. Yeah. So uh, it up. wasn't bad. Yeah. It wasn't bad, you know. And uh, but I grew up watching wrestling on TV. And from I went to my very first wrestling show when I was five years old. Man. And uh, it was at the local middle school there in Madisonville, and the main event was Joe LaDuke against Jerry Lawler. Boom. Okay, that tells me the time frame then. Okay. Yeah. 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 And um, of course, Joe LaDuke was doing the gimmick back then where he would tie the straps around his arms, pick 10 guys out of the crowd, and have them try to separate his arms, and nobody ever could, you know? Right. But I knew, I knew that night that that is what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to become a professional wrestler. I didn't care how, I didn't care where. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say like Joe LaDuke was a bit of an influence or was it more Jerry Lawler? It was more Lawler. Um, yeah. I mean, LaDuke was, was great. Because I can see did, some of him know? in your latter days. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, go I've, ahead. I've gotten that from people. Um, it was more Lawler, just the way that the crowd gravitated toward him. Of course, at the time, he was the big Memphis baby face, you know. Oh, so, yeah, totally. Yeah. Everybody, you know, in the like um just like ricky morton you know the way lawler sold and his facial expressions and everything i believed every single move and every single thing that happened that night mm -hmm. and uh, 
it just it hit me and like a ton of bricks and i was like this is what i'm going to grow up to be one day and you know and um i, I just i never went away from that you know yeah. I, still, I still vividly remember the match that's um, awesome that's, that's awesome that's been a hundred years ago a hundred maybe at least a hundred yeah maybe a hundred and one but jerry lawler was magic and that he had that crowd in the palm of his hand every time he went out there and he's still magic you know i i definitely consider him one of the greatest of all time and nobody can argue that with me you know i'm an adoptee of memphis i grew up the mid-atlantic you know and but honestly i've loved memphis as soon as I started watching it, it's just a different kind of vibe. Okay, so you're growing up and you're loving wrestling. Now, who was your influence on liking wrestling? Who let you go watch wrestling? Uh, my great-grandmother okay. and my great-uncle. They were brother and sister. They lived together, took care of each other. Um, yeah. Huge, huge wrestling fans. Okay. So, yeah. you know, my mom was a big uh, Michael Hayes fan. Oh, and well. if it if it wasn't Michael Hayes, we weren't allowed to watch it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Saturday mornings, I was on my bicycle riding all the way across town to my to my grandmother and uncle's house, and I'd sit with them. And of course, it was the old school. You didn't stand up and get in front of the TV. You'd get nope. a cane upside your head, stuff yep. like that. You know? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> You're blocking the TV, son. Don't get too excited. <laughs> exactly. So you said you grew up loving wrestling and you ended up trained by Dutch Mantel. Am I correct? Yes, yes. So I was the closest town to me that held weekly wrestling was Evansville, Indiana. Yeah. At the old Veterans Coliseum downtown. And, uh, oh, yeah. Of course that, oh, yeah. That was a big Memphis, Memphis town. Big so Memphis town. So I would go every Wednesday night to Evansville and uh, started going when I was like 14 years old, riding with friends and stuff. We'd go to Evansville. One night I bought a program, and there was an ad in it that said, have you ever dreamed of becoming a professional wrestler and all this kind of stuff? Uh, send some pictures and a little story about yourself to this P.O. box in Nashville. Yeah. So I did, and yeah. uh, a couple weeks later I get a letter back that says, be at the fairgrounds in Nashville, which was yes. a big Jarrett spot, yes. yeah. on this particular Tuesday morning at 8 a.m., don't be late, bring $50 with you. So I get up early, I go down there, and there's like 15 other guys there. And we're all standing around, talking amongst each other. Hey, you know. And um, then a little red Ford Escort pulls up. <laughs> and Dutch Mantel steps out of it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Dutch Mantel. Because we had no idea who was going to be there. I thought maybe it was Jared going to do something with us. Sure, because that was consistent. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um so Dutch gets out and he walks up, introduces himself to all of us, asks all of us if we had our money, hands, sticks his hand out. We all place money in his hand. He goes, all right, guys, you see the racetrack down there? Yeah. Mm. You see that point over there? Yeah. He said, start running and I'll tell you when to stop. And he ran us around that entire parking lot of the fairgrounds. Oh, my until God. All of us were falling out, thrown up. Yeah. Like, Literally. And yeah. then he's he like, all right, guys, y'all are all sick to your stomachs. You're done for the day. Be back Thursday morning, 8 o'clock. Bring me another $50. I'm like, oh, I see where this is going already, you know. And, uh, yeah. So, so Did he cut morning, anybody that day? Did he cut anybody the first day? No, no, he didn't uh, cut anybody. Okay. Um, Thursday morning rolled around, 
and it was me and one other guy showed up. Yeah. No one else showed back up. Yeah. Dutch says, all right, give me your money. Start running. Same lap that you did last time. So me and the guy start running. And we run for about 30 minutes. We start throwing up. Then Dutch has us doing Hindu squats and all of this. Um, the whole time outside it, you know, and it was hot. It wasn't overly hot, but it was hot. So Dutch says, all right, we're done for the day. Be back Tuesday morning, 8 o'clock. I was the only one that showed back up. Dutch goes, now that we weeded out the ones that aren't serious, we can start. And that's when we went into the building and uh, started you started the training. You know, dude, that's magic. Now think about how smart Dutch is. Okay. First off, here's Dutch, obviously legendary pro wrestler. Okay. Comes with a great reputation of training wrestlers. And most guys would stretch the guys immediately, you know, and get them in the ring, stretch them, you know, weed them out that way. No, Dutch is so smart. He didn't even touch y'all. He made you run Hindu squats and pay $50. That's how he got yep. rid of the guys that didn't want to do it. That's another level exactly. of Dutch's genius, you know? Yeah, and, and I say all the time that Dutch and Jimmy Cornette are probably the two greatest minds in the wrestling industry, period, bar none. Wouldn't argue you know, that a bit, and, yeah. And a lot of people dis- dispute it a little bit. Dutch is probably the greatest booker to ever be in the business. And yeah. I mean... You know, everybody says Dusty was. I think Dutch was. Yeah. But, I mean. We can argue that if if, if need be, but I, I really don't want to. I think you're right, man. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Dutch on that, too. Because, I mean, Dusty, Dusty kind of turned one trick pony a little bit in the end, you know. That's the problem with guys. They start to run out of ideas, you know. But, yeah. And, again, I, I won't argue because I think, I think Dutch, I think you're probably right on that. So, Gator, what was your, um, after all this training and everything, what was your first match? My very first match was against um, a guy named Kokla Khan, Jerry Adonis. He worked in Memphis off and on. He did, like, the Green Shadow gimmick in Memphis and all that kind of stuff. Um, We were in Bowling Green, Kentucky for Dale TNT Mann, who is an old-timer, old-school guy, but he's a promoter. Yep. And um, I I was showing up and helping set up the ring and all this kind of stuff. I was paying my dues. Right. And had no clue that I was going to work that night. Yeah. And um, somebody didn't show up. Terry went to Dale and said, hey, I've got this kid. You know, I've been working with him a little bit. And let me work him. So they come to me and was like, hey, you're going to work tonight. Get dressed. And I was terrified, scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I was a kid, you know. I, I, Dutch broke me in when I was 15 years old. So okay, okay, wow. I was, yeah, I was still a kid. Um, lied to the athletic commission so that I could get a license to wrestle in the state of Kentucky. Oh, um, which not the first, not old, the last. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 15 years old, I was 250 pounds, six foot three. Okay. So, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, I was a big kid, football yeah. player, you know. Um, but I get ready, my music hits, I take off, run into the ring, jumped up on the side of the ring, and he had, he didn't have a regular canvas. He had one of those final Oh, uh, yeah, like tar- canvases. Yeah. Yeah, and whoever had worked the match beforehand had baby oil on and all that good stuff. So oh, man. I, jumped, I hit the side of the ring and went straight to my back. 
Oh, man. And I was like, well, that's it. My career's over. I'm done, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's so funny. But it ended up having a really good match, and uh, Dale liked me. And uh, he was like, you want to be back next week? And I'm like, absolutely. So that, that was where it all began. Maybe I missed it. Did you say what promotion that was with? It, uh, I'm trying to remember what the name of his promotion was. It was like okay. MWA or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, like okay. Mountain Wrestling Association, because he ran a lot of shows in eastern Kentucky over in the yeah. mountains. Yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking that's what it was, okay. was, Mountain Wrestling Association. And Dale was pretty famous for doing the kind of like Chris Michaels and taking characters that were kind of famous and maybe sticking a last name on the people and stuff. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but whatever it is. But this is a question that kind of, so what name were you going by at that point, Gator? (laughs) My very first match, I was Jumping Joe Hopkins because I didn't have my gimmick yet. I didn't didn't know what I was going to do and and what I was going to be um, so for probably the first four months, I, I wrestled as Jumping Joe Hopkins. Okay. And uh, then I was like, yeah, I can't do that. I want something that's catchy and flashy. And that's when me and Dutch got on the phone and he gave me advice on how to come up with my gimmick and all of that stuff. So. And even though you are Joe, you're definitely not a Jumping Joe, man. You're 6'3", you're a big kid. You, that's dumb. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? But you know what it is. I mean, yeah, exactly. And that was the name that, that Dale Mann put on me. Sure. Um, sure. So, um, it just, it wasn't me. It didn't work for me. I didn't do drop kicks, you know, nothing. So, there was no jumping other than off the ring to the floor. That was about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no jumping. So, okay, Gator McAllister. It's a great wrestling name, That's man. A I've great always. Name. Yeah, yeah, it is. I've always thought that. And ever since I've met you, I was like, man, that is the best wrestling name ever. So, tell me, where did you come up with that? How did that come up? So, me and my first wife, uh, 19. I don't even remember what year it was. Probably around 89. I guess we're sitting around and, and I'm like, I have to come up with a wrestling gimmick, you know, and um, we're brainstorming and brainstorming. And I had the TV on, it was on TBS at the time. And the movie White Lightning came on, which is an yeah. old Burt Reynolds movie where he's a moonshiner. His name in the movie is Gator McCluskey. That's right. And um, to this day, that's still what Bill Dundee calls me. Yeah. But, um, she says, what about that? And I said, uh, what? She said, Gator. And I was like, well, I really like that, but I can't be Gator McCluskey. Everybody will associate it with the movie, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So she was like, okay, well, we'll come up with something for a last name. She was like, so just sit on and, and think on that. Think on the Gator thing. Well, that movie goes off and still sitting around just piddling. And a movie called Ode to Billy Joe come on. Which okay. Is old Bobby, it was based off of an old Bobby Gentry song. Yeah. Um, yeah. About a kid named Billy Joe Metallus. Yeah. And, and I went, what do you think about that? She's like, what? And I said, well, McAllister. She goes, well, is it a common name for Louisiana? Because I knew that I was going to be from Louisiana. Right. So right. I actually had a New Orleans phone book because that was one of my favorite places in the world to go to. And I got yeah. it and I started flipping through it. And there was like 10 pages of McAllister's. Wow. And, but it was spelled M-C-C-A-L-L-I-S-T. 
different with it. And she said, okay. So I dropped one of the C's and I dropped one of the L's. So it became, instead of McAllister, it was McAllister. Yeah, you know? okay, yeah. I called Dutch up and I said, Dutch, I got it. I got the gimmick, I got the name. He said, what is it? And I told him, and he said, I really like the sound of it. He said, where are you from? I said, I'm going to be from New Orleans. He's like, do you know how many GD wrestlers there are from New Orleans? You know how Dutch is. He started kind of spazzing <laughs> on mm -hmm. I said, okay, what about He said, are you related to Sherry Martell? I said, no. He said, then why be from Baton Rouge? I'm like, okay, Dutch, where am I going to be from? Dirt, Texas or oil trough? <laughs> and uh, he said, get a map of Louisiana. He said, study the map. He said, scan every town that you see. And when you find a place that sounds completely made up, that's when you know where you're going to be from. Oh. So I did. And just, just off the coast of Louisiana is a national um, wildlife refuge place. And it's a little island. And it's called Marsh Island, Marsh Island uh, Wildlife Refuge. And I was like, that's it. That is it. I am Gator McAllister from Marsh Island, Louisiana. And I ran with it. You know? Love it. And, yeah. Um, everything from that day forward, everything for me changed in the wrestling business. Dude, that is awesome. That makes so much sense, too. I got a quick little story. I was doing, the, I don't know if you remember me doing the chic Prince Omar gimmick at all, Joe, but, but yeah, okay. I didn't know if you'd remember that. Well, one day at a Burt show, Dutch was working and Dutch looked me up and down and I was wearing that gimmick and I, I could tell he was, you know, wheels were turning. He said, well, I've, you know, you just managed me. You're all right, but we got to get you a different gimmick. <laughs> There's not much going there with a Caucasian Middle Easterner. So he actually didn't come up with a new gimmick for me, but he pushed me in that direction to just drop the gimmick and be myself. So anyway, I, you know, got to give Dutch, Dutch is like you said he's one of the smartest guys in the business yep. and has That's has a, a great team. mind yeah yeah absolutely so i was doing my research and this is crazy man so we are from a little town called lebanon virginia probably like three thousand population tops it's real close to bristol virginia bristol tennessee whatever you want to call it but you actually worked at a high school in oakwood virginia it's garden high school and you worked for smoky mountain there now again i don't want to go too far into that but why don't you lead us up to going to smoky mountain if you don't mind that was all dutch um i had i, had, I knew about smoky mountain yeah um yeah. and there they did a big show in knoxville called fire on the mountain oh yeah yeah and uh it was pre i guess it wasn't pre-pay-per-view but if they would have done pay-per-view, that would have been Smoky Mountain's WrestleMania. Yeah, uh, okay. yep, exactly. Of course, Smoky, yep. Mountain, Smoky yep. Mountain was run by Jim Cornette and had the Armstrongs and the Rock and Roll and everybody there. Well, Dutch had started a, a deal that he was doing called Ring of Dreams. And what it was, you could just take normal people, give them a crash course in, in wrestling for like two weeks, um, and then guaranteed them like a dark match, if you will. Mm -hmm. So we had this this professor from like New England somewhere. Like the guy was a professor at a big university up there, and he he wanted to do it. It had been a dream of his, but he he was he wasn't a big guy, little scrawny fella, you know. So yeah. Dutch brought him to my wrestling school that I was actually had at the time, 
and we crash coursed him enough to get him through like a six minute match. And uh, Dutch says, okay, you need to come with me, talking to me, to Fire on the Mountain. I said, why? He said, because that's where we're going to do this match. I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so we go and we do this, this match and all of the boys come out of the back. Jimmy Cornette comes out of the back. Um, at that time, Taz was working for Cornette at Smoky Mountain. Um, Road Dog was under a mask. You know, uh, all those guys yeah. were there. So everybody comes out, watches this match, sees the bumps that I'm taking and how I'm feeding this guy and making him shine. You know, and yeah. it was recorded for him. And we get done, we go towards the dressing room, and they wouldn't let us go into the actual dressing room where the boys were. Well, all of them started coming over talking to me. And uh, Cornette comes over to me, and he goes, you did good, kid. And I was like, well, thank you, Mr. Cornette. You know, and he goes, uh, interested in doing some TV shots for me. And I'm like, done. You just tell me <laughs> when and where I'll be there, you know. And uh, so that, that's how it came about. And then, like, I rode with Dutch quite a bit, doing Smoky Mountain Towns, uh, working with guys like Tracy Smothers, working with Ron and Don Harris. Uh, Chris Candido, Brian Lee, uh, Killer Kyle. Um, got to work with all of the James boys, Brad, Brian, with Armstrongs. Um, I worked with all of them. You know, it was it was fun. Ended up doing several shows for Cornette that weren't televised. Okay, um, okay. I think we did. I think we did. I think I did four or five televised, and then did like a bunch of the spot shows for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one specifically was in Oakwood, Virginia at Garden High School, which is so close to us, we could basically spit and it would land there. And of course, you worked three matches in one day, it appears. Killer Kyle, Bruise Brothers, and Tracy Smothers. For, I mean, how was yeah, yeah. it working three matches in one day? <laughs> we spread it out. Um, sure, like, sure. The Tracy match was the very first match that I worked. Uh, okay. And it was the very first match of the night. So me okay. and Tracy kind of set the pace. Then um, it was probably an hour and a half before I went back out. When I went back out, it was a tag match against uh, Ron and Don Harris. Which is intelligent because that gives you some more rest. And, you know, you right. don't have to work right. the full match. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then the third match was is when they were doing the beat the champ uh, gimmick there and uh, Killer Kyle was the champion at the time for the beat the champ thing, and they drew my name out of the hat. So I had to go out and mark him. And out of the three matches, I love Tracy Smothers, one of the one of the the best in ring guys that I've ever been in the ring with. Um, but of all of those matches, the match that I had with Killer Kyle was my favorite, and it really? was because he actually gave me a little shine. Oh, okay, uh, got know, it. Tracy, I was. It's just just out there to make Tracy look good. And, of course, Ron and Don, you know, nobody got any kind of shine with Ron and Don. It was like, <laughs> you, know, uh, you showed how well you can sell with them. That's your yes, shine with them. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And, yeah. uh, like, Killer Kyle, he did – his gimmick was he was like this mafiosa hitman type guy, you know, carried the oh, violin yeah. case ring and, and all that stuff. And Mark was just – so cool. He was so nice to me. He was like, who broke in? I was like, Dutch. He goes, oh, well, we're going out and have a good match then. You yeah. know, and that was it. And he went out and let me get my shine in on him, and then he cut me off and took it home. And uh, 
so it, it meant a lot. And then me and him ended up getting together later, a few years later in WCW and actually traveled together. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, with that being said now, how much longer did you spend working Smoky Mountain, or did it kind of end there for you there? Uh, you know, yeah, it pretty well did. It wasn't long after that. Dutch went back to Puerto Rico, and Smoky, Smoky closed up. So yeah. uh, I went to work for Memphis after the Smoky Mountain thing. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't doing Memphis TV, but they put me on all of the house shows. Yeah. You know, so. And this is USWA at the time, of course. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was USWA, which I was working for Bert Prentice, and Bert is the one that got me in the door with Memphis. Introduced gotcha. me to Randy Hales and Guy Coffee and all of them. And then I was working a lot of Memphis guys on Bert's shows, Brian Christopher, Jerry Lawler, and all of them. So. Yeah. Yeah. It really opened up. Bert opened up a lot of doors for me. Gotcha. That's awesome. Uh, Gator, did I see that you'd worked in, in Puerto Rico some? And I, I would maybe assume that was with Dutch. Yes, yes. That Dutch was booking in Puerto Rico, and uh, he called me up one night and, and out of the blue. And he was like, man, I need some familiar faces over here. He said, you want to come over and work? And I'm like, done. <laughs> you know what I'm doing? And uh, he's like, well, can't guarantee you any kind of major money and all this and all that. He's like, but you'll be over here. It'll be a good experience for you. You know, I was like 21, 22 at the time. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm down. So which Puerto Rico, um, that's where I met Glenn Jacobs worked him for the very first time. Wow. Uh, wow. which I was scared to death working with him. He's a monster, you know, yeah, one of, of the nicest, gentlest guys I've ever been in the ring with. Um, and I got to meet and work with Eddie Gilbert. Oh, okay, I, nice. I, grew, I grew up watching Eddie, uh, you know, yeah. so, yeah, for uh, sure. And Eddie actually got really, really, really close while I was on the island. Um, and he took care of me. I was actually the last American wrestler to work with Eddie before he passed away. Man, so sad. Man. So, yeah, I, yeah, we yeah, talk it, about it all the time. Like, what would he be doing now? I feel like somebody would, he might even have his own very famous promotion. You know, he would he would be, absolutely. you know. Unless he just decided to leave it all alone and do something different, but I just feel like somebody would be using him right now as a you know a high level executive, you know. So I have, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. You know. Um, yeah. Now you didn't do any icy hot on anybody down there, like Wolfie did for Armadita, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't. I couldn't do all that. I was too scared. You know, uh, my first night. At one of the shows, I, Dutch tells me, he's like, you're going to be a baby face. I don't want to put this much heat on you as a heel. I said, okay. So he's like, your dressing room's over there. I'm like, okay. I go over, and I go into the dressing room, and there's like 10 guys in there. Um, I go in. I say hello to everybody. I sit down, and everybody gets up and walks out of the dressing room except for Invader. Gotcha. Anybody that knows anything about the wrestling business knows yes. who Invader this right um and so i'm in my mind in my adolescent mind i'm thinking this is the guy that killed bruiser brody he doesn't right. like america he's going to kill me and it know? wasn't that yeah. long ago that wasn't that long ago you know exactly and so i'm terrified and he gets up and he's got this weird look in, in his eyes and i'm thinking here we go 
You know, I have no knife on me. I have no gun, nothing. I'm just going to take Bruce this. I'm not Brody, you know. Yeah. And um, he comes over, sticks his hand out, introduces himself to me, sits down beside me. And we had a hell of a conversation. He talked about when he wrestled in the States. He knew exactly where I was from. Um, ended up being a really nice guy. I'm not sure what happened with him and Brody. I wasn't there, so I can't speak on it. But uh, he treated me very well and with a lot of respect while I was on the island. So Yeah, yeah. and with me and Jared, you'll never find two bigger Bruiser Brody fans. I mean, honestly, we love him. But we know oh, that he can be hard-headed. We know that, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And nobody knows truly what happened. I mean, honestly, nobody. I mean, I know Dutch knows a lot of it. I know Tony Falk was there. I know Abdullah was there. I know Tony Atlas. I know all these guys knew a little bit about the deal and and probably more than anybody has ever let on. But when it comes down to it, nobody actually knows what happened in that locker room. But, you know, that's impressive. Two people know, and that was Brody and Invader, and one of them can't talk about it. Exactly. One of them can't, and one of the other one won't, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So how long were you in Puerto Rico? I was in Puerto Rico for a couple months. Uh, yeah. I flew back a few times, and then, you know, uh, over that couple-month period there, I was yeah. kind of flying back and forth, taking care of things in, in Kentucky and all of that. But um, it was fun. It was, it was a really good learning experience. Uh, the first time I'd ever worked a show where we had to call in riot squads to get the boys out of the building. Holy uh, cow. I mean, it was, it was wild. Very wild over there. Yeah. Now, what was the famous hotel that everybody stayed at, or motel or whatever it was called? Do you remember the oh, name? I cannot remember the, the name of it. Um, I've heard it, I've like heard it a million riot. times. Yeah. yeah, if I was here, I'd be like, that's it, that's the name, but I can't think of it. Too many concussions. Um, yeah. It's really close to the airport. It was like a block away from a Denny's where we all went to eat. And across the street from the Denny's was a um, bird fighting arena, a cock fighting arena. (laughs) And I asked Dutch one time, I said, hey, let's go to the the chicken fights. He was like, no, we're not going to no chicken fights neither. They will kill us in there. I'm like, okay, never mind. You know, (laughs) (laughs) don't want to die. Let's (laughs) not Yeah, but I mean, you know, I'm sorry, you grew up in Kentucky, we grew up in Southwest Virginia, chicken fighting's a real popular thing, man, you know, we won't name names, guys, but, you know, may or may not have seen it ourselves, let's just say that, we'll go with that. (laughs) Anyway, I remember the first time my brother and I saw it, it was just like, holy crap, man. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But we're not going to admit any more than anything else. So, <laughs> so okay, you come back from Puerto Rico, and now I know you'd worked in USWA prior to Puerto Rico, but you actually come back and you you actually worked for Colorado Kids. So, Bert was your connection. So, he basically, you took the time to go to Puerto Rico, and then you come back and work USWA. Is that correct as well? So, you go back yeah. to Memphis? Yeah. 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 Went back, did some more for Memphis, did some more work for Bert. Um, and in between all of that, I was working for different NWA territories. Okay, yeah. Tell um, us about that. Oh, Lord. I've worked NWA territories in Texas, uh, West Virginia. I worked for Dennis Carluzzo when he was running NWA in Jersey. Doug Gilbert actually set that up for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I worked, uh, oh, good Lord, Chicago. There was an NWA territory that was up around Chicago. I worked up there. Um Florida held multiple tag titles in the NWA with different partners. 
throughout the years. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I'm trying to think, and then just local independent stuff, like in Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana, Illinois area. I did a lot of that in that yeah. time frame as well. Yeah. So you're working USWA, and that was a big deal for you, I would imagine. It was. It was a really big deal. Um, I mean, that's what I grew up watching. So I'm in the ring with all of my childhood heroes and, and my influences, and I'm working the same buildings that I had seen on TV, you know, like the Louisville Gardens. I remember the first time I got to work there. First time I worked the Evansville Coliseum. Uh, first time I worked the Nashville Fairgrounds, you know. Uh, the first time I did the, the Mid-South Coliseum. and The, the so Loop, was, man, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It was doing like some of the, the little house shows around Western Kentucky and Arkansas, and you know, which for me, the Louisville Gardens was my uh, Madison Square Garden, you know. Yeah. The Gardens was bigger than worked in the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is funny, you know, I'm the co-host of the Wolfie D show. I know all our listeners know that a million times over now. But, you know, Wolfie always said that the Nashville Fairgrounds was his Madison Square Garden. But, you know, obviously working yeah. in Mid-South Coliseum, but he actually liked Louisville better than Mid-South in 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 the terms of how well the Louisville crowds were and how much they yeah. just loved the wrestling, you know, there and and Yeah, they, the town, in my opinion, for Memphis. It really was. Yeah, it was a great town and such a legendary building. I mean, the names that have been in that building, it's just blow your mind, you know? So, but. Oh, Gator, tell us about IWA Mid South. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. So, um, when I worked for Burke Prentice, me and Bull Payne got really close. Okay. Um, and, and Bull called me up one night. He was like, hey, I've got a guy that's going to run Louisville. He needs a promoter's license. I'm like, okay. He goes, and a ring. I said, okay. <laughs> does, does he have anything? He's got some talent. I said, okay, who is it? He said, Ian Rotten. I said, from ECW? He goes, yeah. He said, uh, he's actually got a ring. He said, but something fell through for tonight and he can't get the ring. Can you bring your ring and let him, you know, act like you're the promoter for this show? And I was like, uh, you know, I guess what, what, what's, the, what's the payoff on it, you know, because renting my ring, plus he's using my promoter's license, and um, am I going to be booked on the show? Yeah, you're going to work. I said, okay. So we work out a deal. I go up, I uh, meet and Rotten, and he told me that night, I was uh, a guy named Mike Golden, who him and his dad built wrestling rings for a lot of Tennessee and, and Kentucky, uh, West Virginia and Virginia promotions. They built really good steel rings. And uh, he did like the big cowboy gimmick. So me and him work and we get done, go to the back. Ian Rotten's like, wow, you know. I was like, what? He goes, dude, he's like, you just went out there and took complete control of my show. I was like, no, I just went out there and did what I do, you know? Mm, yeah. And he goes, you've got a job. Plain and simple. You've got a job. I want you here every single show that we run. I'm like, okay, you know? And it, it worked really good for a while. And, and Ian was bringing in all these like top name guys, a lot of the ECW guys, the public enemy, nine one one, 
um, had Dutch working, Tommy Rich, Doug Gilbert, um, and then some some like high flying guys, reckless youth from up north. Uh, yeah. Anybody that was hot on independence at the time, Ian was bringing them in, you know. And uh, of course, anybody that knows about IWA knows it was a blood and gut still, you know. Mondo mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and Ian Rotten out there in barbed wire and thumbtacks and broken glass. I love Pondo. What up, Pondo? Uh, <laughs> and all of this kind of stuff. And the athletic commission started to really hammer down. So they show up one night to the show and tell us that me and Ian and my ex-wife, because uh, the promoter's license was in her name, had to go to Frankfort, Kentucky, to the offices of the athletic commission for a meeting. We're like, okay. So we yeah. go to the meeting and they proceed to tell us that there's going to be no more blood, no more this, no more that. Oh if my we do gosh. it again, they're going to strip me of my license, my wrestling oh license, man. and they're going to take my promoter's license away from me. So I told Ian, I said, Ian, you've got to find somebody else to do the promoter license thing. I can't risk losing that. Yeah. He was like, no, I understand completely. He's like, well, you keep working for me. I said, yeah, I'll keep working for you. So he ended up getting, I think it was Rico Baby, who was one of his ring announcers. I think he's the one that ended up getting the promoter's license. And that's how they continued running after I pulled my promoter's license away from the situation. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, we know IWA Mid-South is legendary for a lot of things. I mean, you know, definitely got a hardcore vibe in there, but also, you know, like CM Punk, Samoa Joe, so many of these guys that are still wrestling today got their start there because they were coming down from the North. It was kind of like a meeting ground from the North and the South, you know, and a lot of, a lot of guys came in there. I know you worked some guys like Todd Morton, Tommy Rich, Ox Harley, Madman Pondo in a big old match with all a bunch of guys there. I, I guess the one I want to ask you about though is talk about working Tommy Rich man oh I love working with Tommy 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 is so much fun to work with um one of the easiest guys I've ever been in the ring everything with Tommy flowed you know I mean it was just it wasn't I don't want to say it was magic um but it flowed and it was so easy and it was flawless like I mean there was no effort that you had to put into it when you were in the ring with Tommy right right which that's I was over with Doug and Tommy because of Eddie Gilbert. Right, The first right. time I met Doug and Tommy was on a Memphis show that we were doing in Arkansas. Okay. And I walked up and I introduced myself to him. And Doug stood straight up and he said, you're the gator that was in Puerto Rico with my brother. And I said, yeah. yes. And he gave me a hug and he said, Eddie thought the world of you. Yeah. He said, over with Eddie, you're over with me. That's all I need. If you're over with Eddie and you're over with Doug, you're over with me, brother Wildfire, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, it was always, you know, like friends and and stuff being in there with each other instead of a legend with some green guy, you know? Right, So I never had any tommy at all yeah dude one time in the back at saw gator it was so funny i was standing there and you know you're waiting to go out there and as you're standing there to walk up the steps to go down the ramp from the back i'm standing there and the music's playing and i'm an idiot and i always start doing air guitar i I carried a cane i started doing air guitar and uh, you know tommy and doug were there and tommy looks over and he like pokes doug and he says hey doug hey doug Oh, Shiki's playing the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he told me one time we were up there for IWA, and he, he come over, he's like, Gator. I said, yeah. He said, go up there and you know, wildfire a beer. I was like, Tommy, what kind of beer you want? He's like, hell, I don't care as long as you start with a B. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't care as long as it started with a B. Yeah. That is legendary. God bless Tommy Rich, man. So, okay, so you worked for IWA Mid-South, and yeah. you, you keep working there, and you worked there for a good amount of time. Am I right? Yeah, I was probably a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I had, a, you know, some phenomenal talent, and I had some great matches with people. Um, I had some really bad injuries there. Uh, that's where I broke my back. No. Uh, working with Tracy Smothers. Man. It was one of those freak freak things. It was a chair shot to the back and shattered two vertebrae. Oh, and it wasn't man. even it was a chair shot. Um, it was just one of those freak accidents that happened. Tracy felt bad. Like oh, I bet he felt flowed. horrible. Yeah. Yeah, tears, tears flowed. Because me and Tracy had known each other for years, you know. So uh, he felt really bad about that. Tom Burton, dirty white boy, broke my neck. Oh, my God. Uh, Tom Burton. Talk and, about Tom, man. Because I've heard Dirty White Boy and Tom, Dirty was not happy in that tag team, I've heard. And Tom is, even though he may not have showed it, he was definitely not happy in that tag team. Now, yeah, talk about Tom Burton and Dirty White Boy, man. You know, Tom Tom was Tom was one of those guys, if yeah. he thought that he could get something over on you, he would try it. Right. Um, in the dressing room, Super nice guy. I never had an issue with Tom at yeah. all yeah. Uh, until that night. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was with Candy Divine. Candy always showed me a lot of respect, treated me nice. Sweetheart, uh, I've heard. Tom, I've heard she was a nice Yeah, Yeah, she was. And Tom had always been really good with me. And when he came to IWA, he thought that he was in Japan and he was having to do strong style and shoot on guys. Oh, God. And uh, he was known for doing, like, throws, German suplexes, all that kind of stuff. Right. Well, I was hurt from the week before NIWA, and I told him, I said, Tom, we'll do anything you want to do. I said, all I ask is please don't give me any throws. I'm hurt. Yeah. Okay, kid, whatever you say. Right. So we get I... in the room, we lock up, and he immediately spins me around and dumps me on top of my head with a shooter. Oh, my gosh, man. <laughs> I mean, very first thing right off the bat boom and broke my neck it, it broke my neck and um i was terrified the impact to my head was so bad i went blind while i was out there wow uh, i backed myself into a corner and it was actually a, a like a wanting to say a six-man tag it was i believe madman pondo tom burton and macho warrior rick hogan yes again me Ian Rotten. Gypsy Joe? Maybe. No, it might have been Ox Harley. I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. Who the third one was on our team. But I backed myself into a corner and I grabbed Ian. I said, Ian, I'm blind. I can't see and I'm hurt. Tom hurt me. Ian's like, just just sit right here. Just sit right here. So Ian goes in. He gets Tom. They go to the floor. Well, I feel around and I feel a two by four. And I pick it up and I held it. And anytime I felt like somebody was coming near me, I swung it. You know, I didn't know who was coming. I, I just, I wasn't taking any chances. Right. We get to the right. dressing room, uh, Bull Payne grabs hold of me and he's like, come with me. He lays me down on the floor, does some feeling and stuff. He, te- he wraps a towel around my neck 
and tells me not to take it off. Um, Ian comes in, hands me my envelope. He said, go to the hospital and go now. So I ended up going to the hospital. They test scans, x-rays, all that. And that's how we found out that my neck was broke. Man. And, uh, I went back the next week. I was in like the halo and all that stuff. And I had talked to Bull on the phone. I'm like, Burton broke my neck, you know? So Bull's like, okay. So I get to the show the next week and Bull calls me to the side and he goes, I'm working Tom tonight. I'm like, okay. He goes, I'm getting your receipt for you. I'm like, uh, okay, why? He's like, because. And Bull Payne went out there and I mean, beat the shit out of Burton. Burton was crying. Bull his ass back. Burton was crying. Oh, and, uh, what do you do I, that to I, me for, boy, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I worked Tom a couple times after that and never felt anything he did. And I guess it was because he figured if he if he shot shooting on me again, that he'd have to deal with bull, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Man, how long did it take you to, to heal from that? So, so my back, I was back in the ring in a month. Okay. My neck, I was out three months. And went back against doctor's orders, but I right. couldn't take it no more back in the ring. <laughs> yeah, right, of course. I mean, we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Podcast. And back one more time, my old buddy, Jeremiah Plunkett. What's up, Plunky? How you doing today, buddy? Hey, buddy. Always good to be here. Hey, man. Always good to have you. How's the NWA treating you? Treat me good. It's always a golden opportunity to be there, man. It's a highlight of my life. Man, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you, brother, and I pull for you every time I see you on the show. So, you know, back in the day, man, when I borrowed that whole booklet of DVDs from you one time, out of that whole booklet, what was your favorite stuff to watch? I don't know, man. Like, you know, I grew up on the big two, so obviously there was a bunch of that. And then it kind of graduated to, to Memphis wrestling. But I think when I... <laughs> When it got to the 2000s, when I got a little bit older, I found out that independent wrestling was a thing, and I started consuming that as much as possible. In fact, there was just one. Oh, man, it's like a cult classic. Most people probably would not have heard of it, but it was called the Wrestling Mayhem Federation. They ran in the 90s-some, but I didn't discover them until the 2000s. Me and my buddy Chris would stay up late, and we'd watch the local college channel, Comcast Channel 10, if I remember right. And... Actually, some people that you might know and that you have told about were on that to get this kind of getting their start. I mean, Quentin Charisma was there, who ended up being my mentor. Uh, Mikey Woods, who ended up being the guy to train me. You know, there's like Mark Gordy, Kevin the Thug Jones. He could go off on a crowd like no one else. Hot Rod Biggs was there, former guest of the podcast. You saw a lot of guys like in their element. And it was a really... uh Really niche thing, but it's super entertaining. Man, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's called the WMF. I found them on YouTube recently. WMF Medium Rare Channel. I actually reached out to the show's producer, Monte Carlo, who was actually part of the show himself. He had a French filmmaker gimmick or something like that. What I will say about it is I do know the gimmick was awesome, but what's even better is the production level on these videos that he was making, man. Yeah, man, he was doing a lot with a very little. Um, 
Um, and I think the show ran for roughly a year and it had run like five nights a week. So no matter what, me and Chris would be on the phone and we'd be watching it and we'd be talking to each other. It had its own vibe about it, man. Just absolutely great matches. Y'all got to go check out the WMF Medium Rare channel on YouTube today. Starting September 1st, they're posting the whole final year of WMF on the YouTube channel. And I just wanted you to come by and help spread the word for it. You've got to click subscribe and hit that notification bell to make sure that you're notified. That's right, man. Yeah, just go to YouTube and type in WMF Medium Rare. And remember, Jimmy, that's not raw. It's WMF Medium Rare. Rare, 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 rare. So you go from that and you go to actually a quite, you know, legendary man and working for Heartland. But between that, you had your promoter's license, you had your own ring. Were you also running your own shows as well? Yes, yes. I started a promotion. Um, I ran it around Madisonville, Kentucky area. It was called Kentucky Independent Wrestling Federation, KIWF. Yeah. And uh, we would run at the, the local National Guard Armory. And um, then we would run little spot shows. We would do like the uh, basketball booster, you know, where the ball team would say, hey, we're running a wrestling show and, and that kind of stuff. But I had a pretty solid crew that worked for me. Um, a couple of the guys were some of my trainees. Uh, then, of course, I had Dutch. I had Doug Gilbert. Um, I would bring in, like, Crawl the Deathstalker. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tony Faulkner. Um, That's a shoot, guys like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony Fox, the only guy I ever worked with that would call a match to the crowd. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he, would, he would back you up into the ropes. He'd be like, if y'all keep cheering, I'm going to shoot him in and give him a clothesline. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tony. <laughs> Tony is just so great, man. I love him. Jerry, yeah. and give me a hip toss, you know. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always loved working with Tony Ball. But yeah. yeah, I ran shows for uh, a couple of years uh, yeah. and then started to go through a divorce. And that's what ended the, the shows for me. Uh, oh, man. I ran the Little Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. Oh, it was okay. a paid show for me. Um, and we ran it one year, had a huge turnout. They were, were very well uh, impressed with it. Wanted us to start doing it every single year. The second year, I had uh, Luke and Butch, the Bushwhackers, coming in. Nice, uh, nice. I had Doug and Tommy, Dutch, a bunch of people, you know, because it was a paid show. And yeah. about three weeks before the show is when me and the wife split. Man. So I was bumped from the show. Yeah. <laughs> I was the damn champion. How are you going to bump me from the show? You know? Oh, man. Uh, so did she whenever, take the promotion? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She got everything. Literally. Wow. When, mm. when me and her, she got everything. She got my, my straps that I had. She got the ring, the business, all of it. And, uh, it, wow. you know, what I understand, she sold a bunch of it here and there and, all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to her since we went to the Morse court. So. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. So she didn't continue running. She was not even in wrestling. She just wanted to hurt you, she, essentially. Right, right. She tried running a few shows after we had split up. And when the word got out that we had split up, the crowds went from like four and 500 paid to 20 and 25 paid. Okay, um, gotcha. Yeah. People, people were there to see me. And then... Like I told Dutch, I told Doug and other guys, you know, hey, don't let this stop you from working for her. If y'all want to work for her, work for her. 
Yeah. And I was told, no, we were here for you, not her. We care yeah. less about her. Yeah. Right, right. So, this is like, not anything lost, for her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She lost the majority of her talent. And uh, so, I mean, people stopped coming. And the company fucked it up. Who worked on those two shows? I got to ask that question. Do you know any of the names that worked on those shows? On the, the Sturgis? The, no, the shows that she ran without you. Oh, oh, uh, you remember Hillbilly Roy, Roy Presley? I heard the name. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, of course, that's who she's married to now. I'm the one who broke him in. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm the one who broke him in. Like him, uh, I believe Danny D, uh, the Pink Pansy. Like, just local guys is all mm. that she ended up getting. Uh, Luke and cool. Butch, like, Luke and Butch worked one, they did the, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, and they did the show the night before the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally for Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, Understand. But, I mean, well, yeah, once they, they got were, smartened up, you know, it was over, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Once the boys were smartened up, everybody left. Yeah, understand. Well, hey, I get that. So you did end up working for Les Thatcher in Heartland. Tell us a little bit about that one, man. That was really cool. Um, I had originally met Les in Smoky Mountain because uh, he was doing like commentary type stuff with Dutch and all of that stuff. And I knew who Les Thatcher was before that. I mean, he's he's a legend in the business, you know. And uh, so just a random phone call one day. And uh, he's the phone. He's like, hey, is this, is this Gator? I'm like, yeah, this is Les Thatcher. How are you? I'm like, oh, I'm great. Les, how are you? He's like, I'm good. I got your number from uh, so-and-so. I think it was Dutch he said he got my number from. He said, I wanted to reach out and see if you were interested in coming up and doing a few shows with us. I'm like, absolutely. You know, where at? And he was like, well, we're running Cincinnati, Ohio. And he was naming off some other Ohio towns. And I'm like, you just give me a date and a time and I'll be there. You know, so uh, he gave me some dates. I went up and I, honestly, I'm trying to remember who I even worked on his shows. Um, but it was it was fun. It was great. Very professional. Um, everything about it was awesome. I think I worked Flash Flanagan on one of the shows. Of course, me and Flash had known each other for years. Flash uh, is great. Flash is great. Yeah, love Flash. Love Flash. And I'm pretty sure that I worked him on one of the shows because he was getting pushed by Les. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to remember. I honestly can't remember who all I worked up there. <laughs> <laughs> Too many concussions, brother. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. Hey, yeah. So you mentioned uh, working for WCW. Tell us a little bit about that. So there was a guy, uh, a guy out of Elkton, Kentucky. He was an old jobber for Memphis, for WWF, for WCW, named JD Wolf. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. James Dean Wolfenberger was his name. <laughs> uh, and I, me and JD met working for Chris Champion. Chris okay. Champion was running shows down in Tennessee, and uh, Chris helped train me with Dutch. So. Chris called me up and was like, I want you to start working for me. I'm going to give you a push, blah, blah, blah. So I was working for him. J.D. was working for him. And me and J.D. had a big program. Well, he liked the way I worked. He liked the fact that I was light and not hurting him and all this stuff. So he was like, are you interested in working for Atlanta? And I'm like, Atlanta? Who, you know, who's running Atlanta? I know WCW is in Atlanta. He goes, yeah, yeah WCW. 
And I'm like, I can't work with other shit, you know? And uh, he goes, no. He's like, seriously. He's like, I, I, I book talent for him all the time. He said, are you interested in going? I'm like, absolutely. You know, I do it. So he's like, okay, give me a couple weeks. And he calls me up. He says, okay. He said, uh, Saturday, be at center stage on Peachtree in Atlanta. I was like, what time? He said, show up about 4 o'clock. Yeah. I was like, okay. He goes, I got a guy that's going to ride with you down there. I said, okay, who's that? He said, a guy named Johnny Gilbert. I said, okay. I had no idea who Johnny Gilbert was. He was another Tennessee local guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we, we load up, we take off, and we go. We get there, pull into a parking spot. I get out, I go check the door. I can't get in yet. So we're sitting in the truck, and uh, a horn blows behind me, and I lean out. And it's Rick Flair. And he goes, mm-hmm. Hey, you mind scooting over? You're in my parking spot. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. sorry, Mr. Flair, you know. And, Get out and push uh, so the car over. <laughs> I'm so sorry, sir. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so we get out, and, and of course, we move. We get out and follow Rick into the building. And uh, I mean, walk in, and it's a who's who at the time. Uh, yeah. Boss man was there doing the, I think, Oh, he wasn't doing the boss man. I think he was, was he doing, doing like the? Bubba. Was he doing Big Bubba? Or he did that one that was like the angel, or what was it? The that's what he was doing was the guardian angel thing. Guardian yeah. angel, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that night was Randy Savage's very first night in Atlanta, so Ooh, I was yeah. there for Savage's first night. So you got Flair and you got Arn and Sting mm. and uh, all these guys, you know, that I watch weekly on TV. So I'm kind of starstruck. Of course. Um, but I knew, introduce yourself, sit down, shut up, and listen. <laughs> so I did. And uh, Pez Watley come in, and I had known Pez since I broke into business. He was like okay. my third match. Oh, wow. So okay. Pez come up to me, and he's like, hey, kid, you know? And he goes, I'm going to teach you a trick. I said, what's that? He goes, I'm going to teach you how to get away with not doing a thing in this city and still get paid. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so he has taught me how to sign the uh, the sign-in book and then disappear, you know. Oh, where, wow. they would walk around back. Literally, those shows were done minutes before they went on live TV. They would yeah. walk through the back going, okay, yeah, you, you're going to work Steam. Uh, you, you're going to work Vader. Uh, you, you're going to work Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you know. And yeah. uh, so if you aren't seen, you didn't get put on the show, but you still got paid because you signed the book. Wow. So I was like, well, I want to work, you know. So sure. they're walking around, and, and one of them comes up and is like, have you got a match yet? No, sir. All right, you're going to work second with Duggan. I'm like, oh, oh great. Axel Jim Duggan, okay. <laughs> you know? And um, yeah. so I, I went up to Jim Duggan, introduced myself to him, and asked him if there was anything special he wanted me to do and all this. He said, no, nah, just go out there and work, kid. He said, I'll let you know I'm blind without my glasses on. I said, that's okay. I've been stiff before. You know? <laughs> we go out, we have a match, and he doesn't give me any, no sales, everything that I do. Right. Um, and all that. But it, it, it was fun. Yeah. Um, get done, load up all of our stuff. We're getting ready to leave, and I see Flair go back into the building. So I tell everybody, I'm like, hang on a minute. And so I take off back into the building and I chased him down the hallway and I walked up and I said, excuse me, Mr. Flair.
player? He said, yeah. I said, I just wanted you to know that it's been an honor and a privilege just to be in the same building and on the same show as you. And I stuck out my hand, and he shook my hand. He pulled me in. He gave me a hug. He said, call me Rick, kid. And I was like, oh, my God. You know? Oh. <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, I was like, really, I, I appreciate that. I just I keep calling you Mr. Player. And he kind of chuckled and walked off. Yeah. And I went back, get in the truck, take off. Well, we stopped, got a room that night get up next morning, take off. We hit Nashville, and I had one of those bag phones at the time. And uh, the phone rings. I pick it up. and like, hey, where are you at? I'm in Nashville. You need to turn around. Why? Flair wants you on this run. I said, do what? <laughs> They're like, Flair said he likes you. You're respectful. He wants you on this run for the next week. I was like, okay, where do I need to go to? Go to Dalton, Georgia tonight. I said, mm. okay, I'll be there. And, um, yeah, I went and, and did a week run with WCW, um, worked with Vader and Harley Race, worked with Dustin Rhodes, um, oh, worked with Nasty Boys, did the arm wrestling thing against Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. Um, it, it was cool. You know, I was hanging out in the dressing room with uh, Mark Merrow and Triple H. Yeah. Uh, those, Terror Rising. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I think he was doing Jean-Paul Levesque. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Rip high things on his legs and all that. Um, but those were the two guys I sat in between every single night and would just sit and talk and just feed off of them, you know, uh, yeah. learning as much as I could possibly learn. Of course, I wasn't green anymore by then. I'd been right. in the business 70 years, but um, it was still a learning tree for me, you know. And you were going by Gary McAllister, if I'm correct on that, right? Yeah, they they would not let me work as Gator McAllister because it was too good Steve of a name, Kern, probably. Steve, Steve Kern was under contract with them, and oh, he was that, doing Steve the Gator Kern in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Before he was Steve the Gator Kern. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've interviewed Steve before. What's funny is actually, you know, he did Skinner and then he goes to WCW and they're going to say, okay, we want to make you our Jake the Snake. And he buys all this stuff and he's a legendary gator hunter. The Skinner gimmick was actually a shoot. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And he buys a snake and ends up, they end up going with him with a different gimmick and he wants him to be more like a fabulous one. So it was a funny story, but he ends up tagging with Bobby Eaton and all that. But long story short, he went from, you know, a fabulous one to Skinner to then once again, kind of a fabulous one. But anyway, that's, that makes sense though, that they would want to kind of protect the Gator name. So that makes sense. But yeah, man, Gary, have you ever been Gary again ever in your life? Nick Patrick. Referee, old WCW referee, Nick Patrick, is the one that yeah. came up with the Gary. Okay. Um, he was, because, of course, his dad, a lot of people didn't know, Jody Hamilton, one of the original assassins, was Nick Oh, Patrick. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jody took gorilla position in WCW. He's the one that told you when to go and everything else. Yeah. So, he's looking at the paperwork, and it says Gator, and he goes, you can't be Gator, kid. Steve Kern's Gator. And Nick was standing there, and he goes, call him Gary, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's funny yeah so have you, yeah yeah well hey man good thing gary didn't take off i'm glad you kept gator you oh. know but, <laughs> I hate yeah. that. 
I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Well, my name's Joe. Can we go by Joe McAllister or something? You know, but anyway, that would be the Billy Joe Mc. Anyway, so. Yeah, so that's awesome, man. And I know we dialed it back a little bit there. We couldn't let the show go on without talking about the WCW run. So, okay, so after the Les Thatcher deal, you, you kind of start working for New Focus for Master Rich up in Evansville and stuff like that. You get to work guys like Brian Christopher and all these great names. But I kind of want to scoot through that. And, and if there's something great there, don't let me. But I want to scoot through that because I've got to get to the Mayhem tag team. Now, honestly, yeah. Hammerjack is a former guest of ours. Actually, yep. he's probably the reason we no longer have a third host. <laughs> he yeah. eviscerated him. Excellent show. Yeah. It was a great show with him on. Hammerjack's awesome. He's very yeah. entertaining. And I, I got a lot of time for Kenny, man. He, he's a good dude. He, he actually yeah. helped me out a lot. I was in a dark place. I've talked about this a lot, but Kenny was kind of not really physically smacking me around, but he was, he was as far as his words, he was smacking me around. He was like, grow up, kid. You got to get, you know, grow out of that. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, working with Kenny and, you know, Hammerjack, man, I love that Mayhem tag team. And, you know, Gator and Hammerjack, and y'all, I mean, it was such a just natural tag team. Talk about getting together. Talk about Hammerjack a little bit. So me and like me, me and Hammer have known each other for years and years, like since he broke in the business. Yeah. And uh, we hadn't seen each other for several years. Well, they were doing a big show in Murfreesboro. Uh, it was kind of like a big benefit show for Dutch Mantel's granddaughter that was killed. Right. And, um, so I, I went to just to support Dutch, and uh, Hammer was there running around with Brian Lee, and I was like, "What are you doing?" You know, and oh, and we, we just got in each other's ear, uh, exchanged phone numbers, and started talking quite a bit. Well, uh, eight nine months goes by or something, you know, and Kroll uh, reaches out to me, and he's like, "Hey, give me a call. Here's my number." So I call him. I'm like, "What's up?" And he goes. Well, you know, I'm down here um, doing the, the NWA Sauce with TJ. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, yeah, uh, TJ Weatherby. And I was like, yeah. He goes, I've got an ideal. I said, okay. He said, we've been doing a deal with Hammerjack and Boogie. Um, and Hammerjack's out. Um, he's hurt. So him and Boogie can't, like, team. And, and he can't watch Boogie's back and all this kind of stuff. I said, yeah. He goes, you and Hammer look a lot alike. <laughs> he said, deal is I want to bring you in have you hit the ring on Boogie and make everybody think that it's Hammerjack yeah like, okay you know yeah sure why not so I go in I do that deal and uh, Hammer's not even there that night but I go in do the deal with Boogie they, they kill the lights and then there's like lights flashing so everybody thinks it's Hammer yeah yeah right, right. Um, the next week we do something similar um, I go out, I attack Boogie, and they leave the lights on. So people are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not Hammerjack, it's an imposter Hammerjack. Right. We don't even know this guy's name, you know. Well, the third week, Hammer's back. And uh, so I hit the ring. Well, behind me comes Hammer. He hits the ring. Yeah. And we go nose-to-nose, face-to-face, and there's all these baby faces in the ring. And, of course, you got Hot Rod Biggs and... and uh, everything on on the mic oh my god this is gonna be brutal and the this is gonna be brutal well <laughs> hammer drops 
back like he's going to hit me and spins and hits one of the baby faces. And I spin and hit another baby face, you know. Yeah. So we clean the ring. Yeah. And then uh, they had uh, Brother Brewster. Brewster, yep. And um, so they were like, we're going to make you guys this tag team. And we're going to put you with Brother Brew, but we don't have a gimmick for you. Well, anybody knows Brew knows he's a biker. Right. And right. I was a biker. So it came natural for me and him. And we were like, why don't we call ourselves Mayhem? We'll get these motorcycle vests, the whole nine yards, and we'll just yeah. go out there and be violent. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, like we're in a motorcycle club just beating people down. So yeah, that's great. That's what we did, you know, and like they fed people to us, uh, yeah. just, just a squash. Yeah. Uh, look really mean on, on TV. People were saying we were the, um, I've got a screenshot somewhere from one of the chat room groups or something on the internet at the time talking about mayhem is the most violent tag team that has been seen since like the early days of the road warriors and the moon dogs. And, you know, so like people were buying into the gimmick Oh yeah. and, uh, they put, they put the belts on us. Um, we fought a lot with, uh, Plunkett. Kevin Weatherby, you squash poor Kevin Weatherby every week with LT and yeah, everybody. Weatherby was one of our helpless victims, you know. Uh, yeah. But we did a lot, we worked a lot with Plunkett, which was funny because the Untouchables, uh, great was, tag team, man. Yeah. Yeah, Plunkett and Drew <laughs> worked on one night for the belt, and Hammer's in there with Plunkett, and he's doing all this stuff. Plunkett crawls over to the corner to me, and he goes, "Please, God, tag in." <laughs> <laughs> Kenny was beating the hell out of him. Kenny was being stiff as could be. Of course, Kenny was trained by Gypsy, you know, right, so he was right. stiff. Yeah, and, I uh, mean, his first bump was on the concrete somewhere. He had to prove that he can. Yeah, like, <laughs> can you take a flat back? It was on asphalt yeah, or something. Uh, yeah, and then we worked a lot with Team IOU. Uh, yes, carry yes, off absolutely. with Nikki. Which carries another Dutch trainee, so y'all fit right in with each other, you know? Yeah, so. yeah me and Carrie worked really well together. Um, and then, I don't know for sure uh, what happened, why they decided they were going to split us up. I know they brought in more help for the booking, and that's sure. when everything started going south for us. They took the straps off of us. <laughs> come in and was like, hey, we've got this idea. We want you to turn your back on, on Hammer and, uh, you know, strip him of his, his, his cut. And we're going to put you guys in this big feud. And then we're going to run with you solo as a single. Uh, yeah. Drop a strap on you. Let the baby face chase you and all this. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what y'all want to do, whatever. Me yeah. and Kenny, neither one liked the ideal because we knew what we had, you know. Yeah, it was a great uh, tag team. Y'all, I mean, it, seriously. Yeah. It, Seriously, me and Kenny were magic. We looked alike in the ring. We worked alike in the ring. I mean, yep. Uh, yep. so so it was magical what we had. And, of course, the big blow-off for me and him was the cage match. Yep. Uh, on that, that was the night. Collision Course 2014. Yep. Yes. We just did a show with Kroll and Plunkett talking about that whole match with him and Satoshi Kojima. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the big Kojima and pocket match. Uh, me and Kenny in the steel cage. Of course, Bruce Thorpe, who was president of the NWA at the time, was there. Everybody was there. Yep. We go out, we do a big match. Gators bleeding all over the damn place. <laughs> um, 
get back to the dressing room. Everything's great. Get envelopes. Go home. Call Kroll a couple days later. Hey, what's up? You know, we, are we booked up for what's going on for uh, this weekend? Yeah, you're not on the show this weekend, but we'll get you back in here. And I never got booked again. I don't know what happened. Man. Huh. And me, of course, me and Kenny still talk about it. You know, like, why did they split us up? Why'd they do this? Why'd they do that? Neither one of us really know. We've got our suspicions, and our suspicions are the same, but right. we don't know for sure. So, yeah. I mean, would you care to share that suspicion? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <nah. laughs> I got you. It, it, it involves a, spe- a specific person. Uh, yeah, I understand. I understand. It, it came, in to help, came in to help with the books. And, yeah. Uh, I think it was totally. a jealousy, jealousy situation. Totally understand. Totally understand. Yeah. So, I mean, when did you kind of wrap up your career? So, which kind of backpedal a little bit. In 2009, um, March the 7th, 2009, I hit a tree at 75 mile an hour on Harley. Mm. They were going to amputate my left arm and my left leg. Yeah. I was, my, my, the whole left side of my body is metal. Told yeah. me I'd never walk again. Um, Definitely never wrestle again, all of this kind of stuff. July the 14th, I was in Jacksonville, Florida, wrestling that year. Man. Uh, so, but I have a lot, a lot of pain hurt constantly. And yeah. then I, w- I got, I started driving a truck. And um, this pays <laughs> really, really good. Oh, yeah. Like, like six figures a year, you know. And uh, I couldn't Hi. take a risk anymore of getting in there with some greenhorn that doesn't know what he's doing that's going to drop me on my head or put on a, a figure four wrong or even a hammer lock wrong and break something yeah. that's going to prevent me from being able to drive this truck. Yeah. So I, I decided then that it was time for me to step away. And, and it, it stopped being fun. And yeah. I always said that when, when wrestling quit being fun for me and became more like a job that I would yeah. walk away from it. Yeah, and um, uh, so that's that's pretty well what I did. So I called up Master Rich, and I'm like, "Hey, you know, I'm done, man. Um, I want to do a, a, my last show up there with you. It's close enough to my hometown that people can come up." So we did the big plug. We we were going back and forth on Facebook and on Instagram, and I uh, I went up and like did a like some run-in spots on him where I wasn't even supposed to be in the building or in the state and all of this. And uh, so we did a deal where if I won the match, I got 100% control of New Focus Wrestling. If oh. he won the match, then I had to hang up the boots. I had to be done. Yeah. And, uh, of course, everybody, everybody thought that I was going to win. Right. Uh, even the boys. None of the boys knew. The only, I think... Uh, Vic the Bruiser uh, I told Vic the Bruiser Vic is probably one of my best friends in the wrestling business and has been for 30 years yeah. but, but I, I told Vic I said Vic I'm, you know, I'm hanging them up man it's not fun anymore and all this so um, I go out and I work rich and even let his, his wife involved in it where she's a worker uh, Chloe Tracy Smothers took her on the road for a while as Chloe Bell Smothers uh, oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, it was it was kind of like a handicap deal, you know, and it was uh, anything goes. So we fought all over the building. He had all of the heels, one at a time, feet out. Of course, I bumped all of them, you know, and um, 
it was just a real quick out of the blue boom one two three yeah and and uh that was it man i I did a big spiel on the mic uh straight shot i mean it was a straight shoot everything i said was a shoot yeah um people uh, gary uh gary valley boogie me and boogie broke in at the same time so we've known each other our whole careers boogie's out there got tears going um victor bruiser had some tears going uh, I had tears going, you know, because end of an era. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're not era. one of those guys. Once you say you were done, you're not going to keep doing it and going back in, and then you know, okay, one more time. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I told, I told, like when I was doing my my big spiel on the stick, I told him, you know, you you're not seeing the last of Gator McAllister. You've seen the last of Gator McAllister wrestling in a ring, but you've yeah. not seen the last of it. Yeah. I told John, you know, I'll come back up and I'll do a guest uh, manager spot, or I'll come back up and I'll do a uh, one of those gimmicks that the boys are doing now where they go and talk with all the green guys and show them Seminars, stuff. yeah. Uh, yeah, seminars. I told them I'd come up and do some seminars, and I've had promoters beating my door down wanting me to come work. You know, come out of retirement, come do one show for us. No, I'm sorry, I can't, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, man, it's, it's you know, it's definitely been a cool career. You had a lot of fun. Now, you know, as we kind of wrap up every show, we, we do a little thing called the name game. So, you know, you're talking about you wrapped up your career there. Well, you know, like I said, as we're wrapping up the show, would you like to play the name game with us? Sure, let's do it. <laughs> All right. So with these name games, these are just like if you have one word or if you have multiple things you want to say or just, just you know, something quick about them. You don't have to go too detailed, but you can also say what you like. So thank you so much, and we'll get the name game going here. So DJ, hit the music. All right, we're back with the name game with our guest, Gator McAllister. Now, Jared, take the first one for us. All right, Gator. So uh, it's it's the man that that broke you in. How about Dutch Mantel? Tell us about him. Well, I can't use just one word for Dutch. Dutch <laughs> of course. Yeah. Dutch, Dutch is my hero. Um, if I was going to use one word, that's what it would be, is hero. Uh, amazing. One of the smartest guys that I know, period, in or out of the wrestling. Amazing booker. Um, wrestling savant. Absolutely. That's a great. Yeah, that's great. So the next one I got is Tracy Smothers. <sighs> one of the nicest, humblest guys easiest to get along with easiest to work with i've ever been in the ring with yeah he's great has a bit of a temper sometimes right but you know yeah great guy great guy okay my next one is this is a deep cut here how about shelby adcock Ooh, um hall of famer i mean he, i don't think he was ever inducted into any hall of fames but shelby Shelby had a heck of a career. His sons had good careers, and he was a great promoter. He helped a lot of guys get started in the business. And didn't you work for him a little bit early on? I worked for Shelby for about five years. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So the next one is former guest of the Wolfie D podcast and great guy. I met him a couple times, really good guy, and actually a legend in his field in Madman Pondo. Phenomenal. Um, Pondo used to live with me. Me and Pondo yeah. go back 30-plus 30, 30 years. Um, for what he does, I think he is probably one of the best in the world. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. 
How about a uh, former guest of the show, Hot Rod Biggs? Uh, hilarious. Biggs is one of the funniest, <laughs> funniest guys I've ever been around. Uh, great talent, great minds for the business, but hilarious. The ribs that he pulls, the jokes that he tells, just funny all the way around. That's awesome. And a talker, too, right? Oh, man. Oh, yeah, he can talk on a mic. <laughs> he was the only podcast that did not need us. <laughs> <laughs> I love Hot Rod. He's a legend, man. Oh, love him great. Death. How about Tony Falk? Oh, legend. Point blank period. Legend. Um, Tony, I had more fun working with and for Tony than I think anybody I've ever been in the ring with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was just, you know, Tony just all the way around great. Yeah. Got one Got one you mentioned earlier, Ox Harley. Uh, brother, um, me and Ox grew up together we've known each other since we were like six years old yeah. Um, yeah and so like we had the neighborhood wrestling championship in his backyard you know this <laughs> 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 is my brother from another mother yeah excellent yeah. excellent okay well the next one i got is bull pain you talked about him a little earlier too phenomenal phenomenal talent um underrated i think yeah. Bull was one of the most underrated guys in the business. Um, so much talent, so much knowledge, uh, and, and never got his, his due. Never got his just due. You know, um, when they took him to New York, when they took him to Atlanta, they used him for enhancement, and he should have been on the top of the card. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I've never heard a bad thing about Bull. So, so my next one is Brian Christopher. Great guy in the ring, had his demons like most of us did. Sure, but uh, always, always professional in the ring. Yeah. I loved working with Brian. Yeah, this guy we've uh, you know everybody, almost everybody we've had on here has had a good story about him. Gypsy Joe. Gypsy Joe, one of the greatest ever. Period. Um, I loved Joe. Um, uh, guys were scared to work with Gypsy, and I was the first to volunteer to work with Gypsy. Oh, wow. um, just, you know, legendary career, um, legendary person, phenomenal in and out of the ring, even in, when he was 70 plus years old, you know, yeah. um, still the toughest guy in the room. Yeah. 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 He definitely the toughest, definitely the toughest son of a bitch I ever got in a ring with. <laughs> um, I don't know anybody that's got new Jack pinging an aluminum ball bat off of their skull and still stands up, looks at him. Yeah, I mean, come on, yeah. you know, a different breed, man, different, different breed. breed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned him earlier, and you know, we always try to keep him in the name game because he's always just somebody that means so much to a lot of the guys. Chris Champion. Chris, I can't use one word. I don't even know what word to use for Chris. Um, <laughs> Chris, Chris had his demons, um, and then he had some medical issues, and that, that that's what stopped him. Chris should have been on top of the wrestling world. Really? One of For real? The, yeah. One of the best workers I've ever seen. I hear so many guys talk about Shawn Michaels was the greatest worker in the ring and Ric Flair was the greatest. Flair was great at what he did. Right. Flair was phenomenal. I don't think anybody held a candle for Flair. As far as in-ring talent goes, Chris Champion, in my opinion, was one of the best to ever lace up a pair of boots. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that is super cool. I love hearing that. Yeah, like, man, that's one person I regret never getting to meet. I met him one time, but other than that, I never got to see him in his prime. Let's just say that. You know what I mean? Yeah, when Chris was in his prime, there was nobody better. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, the next one, and you kind of mentioned them earlier, and we talked about it, and it was funny, but the Untouchables, man. That was a tag team I got to manage, and... Regretted that I wasn't ready to manage them because I just came out of the Omar gimmick and I didn't know how to be just Jimmy Street. I didn't know what I could do. And then I went off and worked other promotions and found myself and then came back and did my thing. But when I was with the Untouchables, unfortunately, you know, I didn't understand how to be a manager for a team that didn't really need me. You know what I'm saying? But they wanted me. So anyway, I'll shut up. Plunkett and Drew both were amazing solo, you know, singles guys. And then they stuck them in a tag team together. And in my opinion, they could have been the next Rock and Roll Express, the next Fantastics. Uh, They could have been the next Horseman, depending if which direction they wanted to go. Uh, Amazing, amazing uh, talent between the two of them. They they clicked, they flowed in the ring. Um, I love Plunky to death. Plunky yeah. was just amazing. I didn't have a lot of interaction with Drew other than in the ring. Yeah. Um, but Plunky, you know, me and Plunkett, we vibed with each other. So yeah. that made a yeah. big difference in the way we worked with each other. Absolutely. But yeah, very underrated tag team. I wish they were still together. Yeah. Okay. So the next one is <laughs> Team IOU. Another underrated tag team. Um, great kids. Both of them were young. Um, they had a good look to them, you know. One of them's the the, the preppy, and the other's all tattooed up. They had yeah. a great gimmick. I think they they should have been able to do a lot more with their gimmick for a lot more promotions than what they were allowed to. Right. If, if that makes sense. It was a great gimmick, and I've told my brother about this gimmick: a boy and his dog, and it's just like, yeah, what? A, and dude, the, today. They were so ahead of their time with that gimmick because today that gimmick would fit in any AEW. I could see them on AEW easily right now. You know, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I have no doubt that they could make it in AEW. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 tell them, you know, talk about this with Carrie being Dutch trained and you being Dutch trained and the differences. I mean, when you all work together, could you tell certain things like, okay, he knows this, that kind of thing with Carrie? It was. It, it wasn't like working yourself in a mirror type sure, situation. There of were course. times that there were certain things he would do. I'd be like, Dutch taught you that, huh? You know, because it was things that Dutch had taught me as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. We both kind of broke off with our own style in the ring, but yeah. we still flowed back to that Dutch Van Til style at the same time. If yeah. that, you know, if that makes sense. Once, when yeah. you're trained by somebody, you pick up their mannerisms, um, you pick up some of their, their, their moves, the way they move in the ring and all of that. And both of us did that with certain things. Yeah. Uh, short clotheslines. Both yeah. of our short arm clotheslines look identical, which looks identical to Dutch's, you know. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So the very last one of the name game, and this guy got to meet a little bit, and I think you helped him out some. I know you're big buddies with him, so we got to talk about Phil Roxo. Phil Roxo. That's my brother from another mother, honestly. Um, me and Phil are best friends. Yeah. Um, very, very hungry, I guess yeah. would be the word. Hungry would be the one word. 
because he is hungry for the business. He's hungry for the knowledge about wrestling. He, he eats wrestling. He sleeps wrestling, um, even still to this day. And uh, I think that when he finally gets his break, then he, everybody nationwide is going to know who Roxo is. I yeah. really do. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got an, a, a cool style, a cool look. He's a rock and roller man, you know, a heavy metal kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. And, and just, he's got so much talent, and he's afraid to let it out. And I've yeah. been trying to slap him around and getting to let it out. Um, he he doesn't think he's good enough for this promotion or that promotion. And I keep telling him, you're better than half the people on the card as it is you know <laughs> well you know hey man that is the name game brother gator McAllister. you have passed awesome awesome i'm glad <laughs> with flying colors let's just say that so obviously you know i could have brought hammerjack up on that but we talked so much about kenny ah nobody cares about hammerjack they all turn their back on him anyway <laughs> <laughs> Turn your back on the hammerjack. Never. <laughs> yeah. Never but turn your you know, back on the hammerjack. <laughs> got, I've always got place in my heart for hammerjack, man. He's he's always yeah. a good dude. So yeah. So Jared, we always wrap up the show with your final question. We start it with your first one, we end it with your last one. And Jared, this this one goes to you, brother. All right, Gator. So this is always a tough question, I know, and I'm sure you're gonna I'm sure you're going to be like, oh, man. It's, so, But it's always – I'd like to know what your favorite match in your career was. Oh, there's actually two that are tied for my top. All right. Um, I've had so many, so many matches with great opponents, great great times in the ring. Um, but the two that rank over everything else for me is match I had with Eddie Gilbert in Puerto Rico. Um, oh, yeah. It was wow. Just, it was amazing. And it was it was awesome being in the ring with Eddie, somebody of his caliber, somebody of his knowledge, and he made me look like a million dollars, you know. Um, and a match that I had with Terry Funk at a little bar in Louisville, Kentucky. Holy cow! Mm. And Terry, like they they wanted Terry to go over. Terry was like, "I'm not going over on this kid. He's here every week," you know. So. We did a double count out. We just fought back to the dressing room. And Terry's like, get a beer, kid. You know, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> so Terry Funk would not pin me in the middle of the ring. Just showed the amount of respect that he had for me, you know. And, and it, it made my amount of respect for him as a legend in the business skyrocket. So yeah. those two matches are probably the two number one matches that I've had out of a 32-year career. Man, yeah. Terry Funk's on my Mount Rushmore, but we weren't talking my Mount Rushmore, but Terry's definitely on mine, Lawler and those guys. But anyway, dude, that's amazing. And I'm sorry we didn't cover that one earlier, but I'm glad you finished no, no, with no that. No reason to be sorry. <laughs> yeah. No reason to be sorry at all, brother. Gator, thank you so much, brother. You've been on the list from the start. I've had you on this list. And thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. It really means the world. Brother, it meant a lot to me to be able to do this with you. Uh, you know, my number, you got my number. I'm always available for you. You're amazing as always. Jared, you're amazing, brother. It was great talking with you. Uh, you hopefully, too. I did your podcast some good. 
You did, man. You did, man. This is going to be a good one. I, I can't wait for the people to hear it. And you know what's cool, man, is I get to learn about people that I absolutely respect. And, I, you know, research does one thing. It tells me some things. But those little those little connective tissue that you can talk about it and that fills in the blanks, man, there's nothing like that. Because to me, you know, I knew you at one time in your career, but you had a whole career before that. And just to learn so much about you. And now I realize, you know, I respected you immediately because it felt like that was I, I could tell you were a man to be respected but now I know why everybody else respected you and 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 man it's it honestly it, it uh, man like I said you were on the list from the start and I'm so glad you you were able to do this with us and We'll get you back on. Maybe we'll bring you back on and do a watch along sometime and we'll, you know, hey, talk about a match great. or something. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have fun, Absolutely. man. Yeah. But, uh, sounds good to me. I'm always available for you, brother. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Gator, do you have any shout outs you'd like to give before we hang up this today? Uh, a shout out to just to, to my, my people, you know, um, uh, Roxo, Hammerjack, um, no. You know, anybody and everybody, Vic the Bruiser, Man Man Pondo, love you yeah. guys, man. Um, shout out to you for having me on. Oh, <laughs> uh, of course. It, it, it's been great. And, uh, you know, give me back my, my pro wrestling, man. And we need to get it back like it was. And don't forget the guys that, that have gone on, you know, Chris Champion, Tracy's yeah. mother, Gypsy Joe. Go back yeah. and watch old matches of them, you know, to all these people listening. You yeah. want to see real wrestling and, and see what it was like for us back when I broke in the business. Go back and watch those guys because there's nothing like it on TV today. I can promise you that. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's the whole reason for this podcast is it started out as me and my brother just talking about pro wrestling and hitting the record button while we did it. And then we, yep. you know, we had Jeff Daniels on, we had Chris Michaels, we had Hammerjack on, and we had Cassidy Riley, and we had Dave Milliken, and then we had Jeff Daniels. And man, that Jeff Daniels show just put us in a different level, stratosphere. Yep. Let's just say that. And then people went yep. back and, you know, listened to our very first episode with my buddy and, and longtime friend Jeremiah Plunkett. And so many guys that we've had on and just been so blessed, Shane, Morton, Kroll, you know, just so many guys, Dante Mephisto. I mean, just, man, it, oh, I can wow. keep going. Rick Reynolds, you know, just so many, Hot Rod, yep. everybody. And now we've had Gator McAllister, and I just thank you again. And like I said, we'll we'll keep in touch. We'll have you on in in a, in a part two coming up in the next little bit, and we'll, we'll, we'll have some more fun. But for the always awesome Gator McAllister my brother Jared the Plastic Sheik I'm Jimmy Street we'll be right back to wrap things up with the Plastic Sheik on Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling Hey everyone this is Shane from Insane Shane's World I release wrestling figures of enhancement talent mid-card wrestlers and wrestlers that you never thought would have a figure available so if you are interested in adding a really cool and rare figure to your collection, then don't hesitate to contact me at shamtheman73 at gmail.com. That's S-H-A-M-the-man73 at gmail.com. You can also join my Facebook group. Just search Insane Shane's World.
you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. This is the big picture, Michael Jablonski. Don't forget to tune in every week to Jablonski's Pissed Off on the Mike Jablonski's Pissed Off YouTube channel. Cheek right there. Another good one with Gator McAllister. Did I not tell you he was awesome, man? Super good dude. Yeah, dude. That, that was, you know, above my expectations. You know, my expectations are always high and they just always seem to be beaten by these these stories we get from these people. And it's it's just so awesome, you know, getting that pearl about, you know, his time in WCW some, you know. we That's we, what we I was were, just about to say, man. Yeah, yeah go man, ahead. We, we didn't really know that we were getting that and we and and you know, it pops up and we come with a kind of seat of our pants type question and and it's a, it's a great story i mean we're always you know we loved all wrestling as a kid and you know smoky mountains really close to us and wwf we loved it but you know deep down i always felt like i was a wcw nwa kid so it's kind of oh, for sure yeah it's always good when you get stuff like that man well and i realized after the episode why it never showed up in my research is because I was searching Gator McAllister uh, and they were yeah. calling him Gary McAllister. Gary and McAllister. it's as plain as day. If you go search anything with Gary McAllister from WCW, that is Gator. Look it up. There's a Hacksaw Jim Duggan match, all kinds of matches. Honestly, if you just type in the wrestler and McAllister, it'll probably get you the match to pull up. But, you know, anyway, that's why. I didn't have any WCW stuff. And then when he was talking at the very beginning, kind of in the introduction there, you know, he said WCW and I was like, okay, well, you know, we got to pivot here. We got to bring that up because that'll be too good to, to miss, you know? So yeah, for sure. But I I was going to say that exact thing that I think that WCW stuff was one, some of my favorite, you know, I did enjoy the earlier parts when he was talking about Smoky Mountain and Tom Burton. And unfortunately those injuries with him and Tracy and and Tom and yeah, man, I hate that he went through that, but obviously that's part of the risk of being a pro wrestler. But anyway, I hope y'all enjoyed that episode as well. Gator's a good dude, and and I feel like we definitely represented that. But, you know, I've kind of got a a feeling for next episode. What what do you think? Man, I don't know. We we might need to bring the Plastic Sheik out a little bit. You think we should invite the Plastic Sheik on? I I think so, and maybe, maybe a special guest or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So... 
dotting T's and crossing I's, we're going to have Insane Shane on the next episode. And Insane Shane is awesome. He's a big-time collector of action figures. He actually has his own line of action figures. You've heard his commercial on our episodes many times now. But the cool part about it is, is we're going to have him on to talk WCW Galoob action figures. It's going to be a whole episode of that. We'll also talk to Shane about his figures coming out. I figured this will be a good one for you, Sheik. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited about it. And anytime I can talk about figures, I love it. Uh, you know, our our brother from another father, mother, Mason, our cousin, has got me uh, got me itching buying stuff on eBay again. So uh, <laughs> I blame him. I blame him for this. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to Shane and learn all, all about his you know, some of his processes and everything like that. And then just what it, you know, his history with figures and everything like that, man. Yeah, for sure. It'll be fun. And and it'll be just fun to kind of, you know, take a a rest stop from the normal interview and, and talk a little specific topics or something for a minute. And then, you know, we'll be right back on the interview train. Don't worry. Don't fret. We got new guests coming up all the time. We promise. But you know, one thing I, I hope y'all noticed is that in the very middle of the episode, we did welcome a new advertiser to the show in Mr. Monte Carlo and the WMF Medium Rare YouTube channel. Monty's decided to come on to promote his upcoming debut of the final year of WMF Medium Rare. And it's going to be awesome. You check it out September 1st. Just go to YouTube, go to WMF Medium Rare. We promise. It's going to be entertaining, and I promise you this. It will show the area and the guys that we've talked to, like Hot Rod Biggs, Quentin Charisma. It, it's going to be fun. It, it was a cult classic in Nashville. It was very popular with those folks. So anyway, we want to welcome WMF Medium Rare on as an advertiser. So thank you all so much for that. Again, if you all want to come on as an advertiser, we do have different rates available for you advertising is something we're looking for so just let us know on that if you're interested or you or your business would like to come on the show with us so yeah chic i don't have much else man i'm excited about next week i think gator do you have anything you'd like to say before we go no man i just appreciate gator and his time and uh, it was great to hear stories from him about uh, all the different places he's worked and the people he's worked man it's, it's just great to hear that stuff Yeah, I agree. Gator's the man. Thank you, Gator. And so for Gator McAllister and for the plastic sheep, Jared Street, I'm Jimmy Street, and we're Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. We'll see y'all next week. Don't forget. Don't go wrestling Gators. With a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. This has been a James Rock Street production.